I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. And we're coming to you late, but we're still Just coming to you. Bit. Just a little late, you know. We're having a baby. Mm. It's imagine? like we're like Nicki Minaj's album. Surprise. What we are it? coming out today. Ten good songs and <laughs> 19 songs of mess. Woo! And I, ha- I haven't even listened to it. I just have not been on the Nikki train in a while because I feel like she wanted to be straight and shit. Well, uh, the thing is, is like the album came out today. Literally, like normally we would say like the album came out today and we would be recording this on Wednesday, which is when we normally record mm-hmm. our podcast. But we had some shit get in the way. So we're actually coming to you on Friday evening, mm-hmm. which is when we pretend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, to be living in when yeah. the recording actually comes Adulting out. Adulting was really fucking hard this week. Yes. And I don't like that word, yes. but it was, you know, sometimes to be fixed. Sometimes mental health gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to give in and just let it get in the way. Mm-hmm. And then you can work on it the next day. And that's what happened. Yeah. And spend a lot of money in the process. Um, but, um, <laughs> Nicki Minaj. So I, since you brought that up, I love that Forbes, <laughs> like Forbes has been reading Nicki Minaj for filth. Um, I don't know what, like, I don't remember Forbes being a company that read musicians. Magazine. Exactly. So why are they, why are they reading people like Nicki Minaj? <laughs> she has had it. Like, yeah, I guess Forbes has had it with Nicki Minaj. Um, I bet you she but was I think on it's so one funny. of their lists at one point. Yeah, but well, that doesn't matter. They don't. They don't review. They don't review albums, or at least not to my knowledge. And they have a whole review about Queen entitled uh, something like "It's a great ten, uh, great ten song album hiding within a nineteen track album." There we go. Which is like the title alone is a fucking read and a half. But I just I enjoyed it. Um, what have we been up to outside of adulting? I mean, uncomfortably. 
we went to the Jersey Shore this weekend. We sure did. Which was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, My sister was visiting and she was staying with her friend in um, in New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, in an unrelated an, an unspecified town in New Jersey that's on the water. Oh, we're being all like hush hush about it. Well, we might as well. We might as well keep their identities a secret. I mean, I having grown up in New York, like like we would go away and stuff. But this concept of like having a different house for summering is yeah. so strange to me. It is such a weird concept. It's a beautiful concept, but it's one that like I was just like, oh my God, where are these people that have two houses? It's and a, I'm like, it's a privileged concept. Growing up, I'm like, my God, like you have to go to two houses every week to clean. Literally, <laughs> that because I'm like, if we, ha- if you and I had like a summer home, I would be like, we got to go visit it twice a month. Like we've got to go and make sure the house is okay. Well, yeah. Like you would I go. Would, I assume you'd go down there even when it's not the summer. Yeah. No, but I would go just to clean it, just to like, okay, we're done. We can go home now. Like to make sure the pipes didn't burst or yeah, it's something weird. Crazy like like that. as like in, I feel like I have turned into a character from a Woody Allen movie, just like going on a tangent. You know how they're all mm-hmm. neurotic mm-hmm. and stressed, yeah, and like all the time that's mm-hmm, how i mm-hmm. feel lately because yeah. again mental health gets in the way yep but i just i like i feel like it would introduce a whole other level of stress and then you add yeah. you add a boat to that and then a jet ski and like a river i don't know but if you can manage it i mean it's gorgeous it's nice work if you can get it i mean i had <laughs> i had probably one of the best times i've ever had like when we've gone away from a weekend yeah because in spite of our car <laughs> our car breaking down as soon as we got there because mm-hmm. like that was just the icing on the cake our brand new car well not our brand new car but our new to us sit like 63 days after we purchased it. after we purchased it and the 60 yeah. day warranty is up we get to new jersey and you go to straighten out the car and she won't start right and it's like i was just when you came back in i just like you know Look, there's water. This beautiful aqua-colored home. Mm-hmm. Like, moving on. Yeah. Like, it really... It, and I'm not normally like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that being said, that aside, housekeeping done. I had such a good time. And, like, I can't believe new, like people from New Jersey have access to this all the time. It's mm-hmm. lovely. There's a whole show about it. Yeah, I know. But, but what I think, so we talked about the Jersey Shore while we were at the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that there were different parts of the Jersey Shore. Oh, yeah, they're different M- towns. Much the way there are different parts of the Hamptons. Like, I knew that for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more spread out yeah, than the Hamptons. Bigger. Because we weren't even, like, where my sister's friend lives is a good, I would say, 45 minutes from mm-hmm. Atlantic City. 45 minutes north of Atlantic City. Okay. So to me, like my concept of the Jersey Shore growing up was going to Atlantic City Mm -hmm. because that's where my parents had a timeshare Mm -hmm. in Brigantine. And so that's where we would spend our summers. And and there's even further like there's um is it Cape May or Cape Cod? I don't remember which one is Cape in New Cod Jersey. Is in the north, so Cape, so Cape May. May. Yeah. There's Cape May and Wildwood, which is even further south mm-hmm. than Atlantic City. And so there's Isn't there different an airport in Wildwood? Um I wanna say the airport is in Cape May. Oh. But um but you know, that being said, there are there are different flavors mm-hmm. of the Jersey Shore well, because there's so much of that was a shore. Seaside Heights. Yes. Right? Where that's a little more That's like the young area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen, don't ask me. That's I, the white girl wasted. 
I literally know nothing about the Jersey. My, like I said, my knowledge of the Jersey Shore is going to Brigantine over the summer Mm -hmm. and being dropped off at the arcade at the Taj Mahal while my parents would go and play at the casino. That's my concept. I was either dropped off at the arcade at the Taj Mahal or the arcade at the Harris. Mm -hmm. And my parents would go and gamble. Options. And then on like one night out of the week, we would go see like a magic show at the big theater. There was a magic show. There was a magic show, sometimes with topless women. It was very interesting. (gasps) Ooh. My father would buy binoculars. I thought that was so scandalous when I was little. I was like, ah, gross. Stop. Your Ah. father? Yeah, my dad. My dad would buy Your binoculars. Your father was his like his pleated shorts and his like phone holster. Yep, dressed exactly like that. He would buy binoculars to see these topless women on the stage. Um, I remember <laughs> we went to see a show. It was called Spell Spellbound because it was also the name of a Paula Abdul album that I really enjoyed as a child. Um, it's gayer <laughs> it every does. week on this podcast. It does get gayer. Um, and <laughs> and I remember there that there was a whole it was a whole thing because we would basically what we would do is we would get to Atlantic City and my parents were such gamblers that they would get free tickets to shows. They'd get free rooms. I mean, we never used the rooms because we didn't actually stay in Atlantic City proper. We would stay in Brigantine, which is over like it's like you drive into Atlantic City and then you go over a bridge and then you're in like a normal um, like shore town basically okay. that's not full of debauchery and all that so it's just like a regular ass town okay. with a beautiful beach and you know a video store and stuff like that um, so we never stayed in Atlantic City proper I didn't actually ever get to do that until I was an adult but um, so we would get there and whatever show was playing like literally whatever show they were doing at the Harris, my parents would be like, great, I'll have four tickets, please. And or three or whatever, however many they needed. And so I remember very distinctly, there was one time we went down the shore and we went to see a show called Spellbound and there were topless women in the show. And we're sitting in the theater watching the show and the waitress comes to uh, take my dad's drink order. And so the woman is trying to take my dad's drink order and there are topless women on the stage. My father is trying to give this woman his drink order while the binoculars are, are up at his face so he could see these women on the stage. And I remember thinking like, wow, you're doing too much. Like as a child, I was like, I know plenty of places where you can look at titties. You don't need binoculars and you don't need to be multitasking like this. I remember it I because re- I remember looking at him and being like, wow, these breasts are not even that great. Like I'm a child and I've seen better breasts There's than these. There's a place in France where the naked ladies dance. There's a place in Atlantic City. Where they show you all their titty. It, but, there you go. There you go. That's a, um, the, isn't that from um, Sex in the City? Oh, I, I, I didn't watch the series. So oh, I'm pretty sure they have a weekend getaway in Atlantic City and uh, Samantha's uh, boyfriend at the time cheats on her and she renames it Atlantic Titty. Oh, well, yeah, but I wasn't, you know, I was just saying City Titty. Yeah. Um, I really want to get your dad a pair of binoculars for Christmas. He has binoculars. No, but like. I'm pretty sure those were her, his binoculars but I that just, he brought. Like, his personal binoculars. See, and I just ruined it, though. Because <laughs> the fantasy was be like, eh? I know. Eh? It's ridiculous. Want to go bird watching? Uh, <laughs> well, my dad is a well, straight not bird up, watching. Right. My dad is a straight up perv. What I do remember. You call it when guys go, this is this game very misogynistic. So, what would you call if you were looking for breasts? Breast watching. Breast, breast world. Breast watch. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. My dad's a perv. I remember we went on vacation once and we were at a topless beach and he, just he definitely called your dad a perv. Oh, absolutely. Um we were at a topless beach and he took photos. Like uh, like of what? without consent. What of, do you what do you think he took photos of? The horizon? Of? No. He Guns took, and roses? He took specific zoomed in photography of this one woman who was mm. just trying to get a tan. This poor woman was just just trying to get a tan. What did your mother think about and this? And what made my mother never commented and what made me laugh about it is that when the photos came back cuz they were taken with an old ass like with a with a with a camera with film in it. No, yeah, of no. Course. Absolutely. Stop. And so my dad, being the pervert that he is, he he got the photos developed. And um, you could, at the time, technology had advanced to the point where you could check off and be like, oh, I would also like a CD-ROM version. And for some reason, I don't know if the photo was taken through a screen or something, but the photo came back with a grid over it, as if you were looking through a screen, like a, a screen from a window. We so that, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that very much. We need to what? We need to move on. We absolutely do. I'm... I- <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to tell that story quickly. You kept having follow up questions. Because because you've never told me this story. Well, girl. What else do we do? Oh, I also want to quickly say I really enjoyed. So I loved being in the um, on the Jersey Shore. I was very nervous about it because you know I grew up in New Jersey and it's been you know it's been difficult trying to find um, enjoyment in it. And I also um, I don't have the best relationship with my brother in law, and he was going to be there. And normally he's somewhat unbearable, um, but we had a great time. He seemed very different in a good way. I really like enjoyed spending time with him, and of course getting a chance to see my sister um, and getting a chance to see her friend who um was a a big a big part of her life and and you know was one of the people that had to you know move on when my sister decided to move to florida um so that was really really great and it was also great to see her kids who are who are like similar age with my sister's kids um it was just really fun doing absolutely nothing but it was like so rejuvenating Mm -hmm. and um Specifically, though, we were in a house with a um, unlimited amount of food in it, which always to me, like, I don't know what food and alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, food and alcohol. Not... Because you're right. You're right. Every time there it was like, oh, it's snack time. Oh, do you want a cocktail? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not used to this. But yes, please. Every time she said snack time, I thought of um, a Big Dipper and Meatball. Snack time! Totally. Um, <laughs> I and I like there were a few I think because I was starting to get so unhinged because of the car and like I would think about it every so often that I just started giggling mm-hmm. at times when she'd be like it's snack time mm-hmm. and I'm like oh my god what are we eating again yeah like or we're eating again and then if, would you like a wine cooler a cocktail a Malibu I, breeze I loved it I loved I, every I, second of it I felt so, I'm not even gonna say waited on but I felt so um like i don't know it felt luxurious it felt luxurious but like it really was simple this wasn't like you know hoity-toity or anything like it was just very much like you wake up in your pajamas and you're in your pajamas all day eating yeah that's basically literally that's basically what we did i mean um yeah i i just um i finally understand why dogs eat whenever they find food because you and I don't have an unlimited surplus of food in our current apartment. We, we just, we're not, um, we're not flexing like that. Flexing? <laughs> Financially flexing. Oh, the listeners I will mean, understand. But we also don't eat like more times than 
like three times a day. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't know. Well, right. <laughs> facts are facts, America. My facts is coming in right now. My facts are facts. Um, um, but my my whole point is that I always really enjoy it because food is such like because food because I'm I'm now 50 percent responsible for the food that I put in my body mm. um, whenever I don't have to think about it and there's a lot of it I'm just like yes bring it on I mm-hmm. you have a bathtub upstairs I will go up to the bathtub you can just pour all of that pulled pork all over me and I will just like lay in it for a little while I know that's disgusting but I just I and I'll, also it's I have always that. loved like that pork should be eaten not bathed in I was going to eat it after I was done bathing in it oh, um no. Shut up. You keep, having, you keep having follow-up questions and derailing me for what I'm talking about. I'm trying to follow a train of thought and you're not letting me get into the station. Mm. I love when someone has just had a party and has all of these leftovers. It like There's nothing like throwing a party and being like, oh my God, 200 people are coming. And like 150 show up. So you have like a considerable mm-hmm. amount of leftovers. And like that's exactly what we were walking into mm-hmm. here. I would. I love leftovers. Like I would that. throw oh my the God, party, I love them. but only release like a quarter of the food to the people who came. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that way you guarantee leftovers. I mean, and the the thing that takes it a step further is that normally when you have just like trays of food, it's purchased from a restaurant. These were made by family members. Mm-hmm. Oh so my like God, the jambalaya. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the jambalaya, the steaks your brother in law made, the ribs, that pulled the pork. Rice. That pulled pork was like oh, the pulled pork was stellar. Stellar. Um, interstellar. I mean, and I made a cake. Like, how unnecessary was my cake, though? It was very unnecessary. <laughs> but everybody loved it. It was that block. It was that, you know that, you know when you're like, you're trying to clear the Tetris board and it gets mm-hmm. too high? That's what your cake was. Yeah. Your cake was, was like a like, giant block that But it was fit. great because I'm now into making Tres Leches cakes or Tres Leches cake because it's something I, like, it's one of my favorite things and I never feel like anybody gets it right because it's always like too dry or weird or whatever. And I found the recipe that I adore. See, I've always found it to be a little too wet, if that makes sense. It can never be too wet. So so they say. Oh. So they say. The the thing is, like, the delicious cakes should be dense and, like, milky and, like, juicy. And I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Um, To the point where I made one for when Jiggly came over, and she probably ate, like, half of it. Yeah. Because she was like, why are you doing this to me? And I'm like... Well, I mean, I she, just made a cake. She technically asked for it. She walked in and was, and you said, "Oh, I was going to make a cake." She's, and she's like, "Let's like, go. We can still make a cake. Let's go get the cake. Let's let's go get the mm-hmm. ingredients." And I was like, "I have never seen you such a motivated seller. Let's I know. go get the ingredients for this cake." Um, anyway, but it was <laughs> it was so lovely, and like your sister's friend was like so hospitable. Yeah, like normally when I go into like a new person's house, I'm. You know, very much like don't go like don't go past where you're invited into. I mean, and I still feel that way. Yeah. But I didn't feel this like the the having to be on pointedness of it all. Right. You know, and I really enjoyed that. I mean, and then the last night we were there, you know, we just went on a casual little, you know, sunset cruise Mm -hmm. around the the Bergalette Bay. Sure. Damn, I tried to remember that. I can't remember. But, oh, uh, with with cock cocktails. Yes. And a cheese platter. Ugh. That was being, like, taken back and forth mm-hmm. on the boat by the hostess as we were speeding along the bay. I mean, it was... It was a lox. It was, it was amazing. We got to see that creepy house. 
That was a really cool house. Yeah. Look up Middle Sledge Island. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. It's this mansion on its own little island. It's totally abandoned. It's very creepy. Um, or look on our Instagram. You can see on our highlights, mm-hmm. um, our story highlights. You can see. Um, you can actually see the video of me basically like recording the whole trip mm-hmm. because I. I'm a big fan of water. I'm also a water sign. So duh, I like water, but I love being in water, even if I'm not actually in it. Mm -hmm. And so being on that boat, there was something about being on that boat and like that whole experience that Mm. like, I'm pretty sure it like added a year onto my life. It was wonderful. It was very relaxing. Especially when, um, when her fiance like really opened the boat up Mm -hmm. and like, there was sea spray and my cocktail was spilling and I felt like I was holding on to dear life, but for dear life, but it was just like, we were like motoring, motoring, motoring. Sure. Toward the sunset. Yeah. Like we saw the sun lower itself. And I feel like such a, um, like a hibaro because I'm like, I'm acting like I've never like, you know, like this is like the biggest thing in the world. Well, but think about it. When have you ever paid attention to the sun setting? I mean, on occasion, but not like that. Not right. in this, like, setting. And never with as an as unobstructed a view as mm-hmm. we had. Literally, it looked like a, te- like a, like a nectarine just disappearing into, yeah. the, into the background. It, was, it really was beautiful, and I had the most amazing time. It was so rejuvenating, like yes. you said. I had a great time. Mm. I'm very excited to hopefully do that again, and maybe even go to Florida. So, we'll see. You have to learn how to drive a boat. Um, yeah, I'm sure I want to do that again. I'm sure I, I'm sure it's not difficult. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's probably just like taking a couple of classes or something. Hopefully the boat will start. Okay. (laughs) With that, I think we should go to break. (laughs) And then, um, when we come back, we're actually going to share an interview we did with Casey Lai Mm -hmm. from, uh, the Gay Power Half Hour, which is a show that he does with our friend Tony Soto. Mm -hmm. Um, we actually got a chance to go see him perform, um, some stand up. So, um, but we'll, we'll tell you more about that when we come back from our break. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. And we're back to talk about Casey Lai. Talk to him. Well, talk to him. Yes. yes. So uh, before we start, or, or before we play the interview, yes. Thank you. There you go. Before we, I'm like before, as if he's here. Hey, Casey. Um, <laughs> uh, before we play the interview, I wanted to let you know that uh, we interviewed Casey after he performed at this uh, weekly comedy show. Uh, called Too Many Cooks at Lucky Jack's on the Lower East Side. It's produced by my friend Luisa Diaz, who's an amazing comedy producer, an amazing friend. Um, So you should definitely check it out. It's um, at Too Many Cooks on Instagram, and her handle is at Luisa Diaz Nuts. On Instagram and Twitter, and you will find like some of the best comedy shows in New York through her. And um, Casey gives out his Instagram handle, but I think it's just Casey Lie, and Lie is spelled L E Y. Yeah, and we have uh, we're going to post links on our website to it yes. as well. Um, so, without further ado, here's our interview with Casey Lie. 
So we're here with Casey Lai from the Gay Power Half Hour. How are you? I'm doing so well, and I'm so happy to be here with you guys. We're happy to have you. Yes. Uh, Recording in the street on a balmy summer night in New York City. I've been wanting to do this show for a long time, so I'm actually very happy to be here on this balmy street (laughs) on the Lower East Side. Is that where we are? Yes. I think so. Come on. Delancey. Yes, I know. Come on, Lifetime New York. I'm a New York native, I know. No, we're, we're, um... Yeah, it's give us NC. the news twelve. I just sent I just sent a woman <laughs> to the M train, so I must know where we were. You did? Yes, I did because her phone was dying. Oh. So I was like, "Yes, that win." It's like, it was ma'am, that hurry! We <laughs> gotta get out of here. M train for ma'am. Run! Uh, you'll have no Apple Pay to buy snacks when you get home. She needed it, right? I've been running very low on um, phone power the entire trip. One because I'm walking to everything because Uber costs forty eight thousand dollars to go three miles. Mm-hmm. One. Um, and I will say, living in Los Angeles, a lot of people are like, oh, isn't it nuts that it takes an hour and a half to get th- 10 miles? And it's like, yeah, but isn't it nuts that it costs $42 mm-hmm. to get 2.8 miles here in yes. New York? Yes. No shame. No and judgment. And sometimes just it does saying. take an hour to and go sometimes those two it does miles. Take an hour too. I've been walking a lot. I've learned two shirts is really what I have to always be wearing, a tank top for the walk, and then a sweater for the fucking subway air conditioning. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's like it, the, 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 the heat juxtaposition here is a little um, mm-hmm. intense yeah. mm. for me. But I remember when you guys were in L.A. and we were hanging out, you were like, this is the hottest place ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. But... And that was only in May. And that was fucking May. Yeah. <laughs> Make it bad there. It wasn't... California wasn't on fire then. <laughs> no, literally. I... Only it, it doesn't feel like it's as humid in L.A. No, it's, it's not. New York. It's a desert. Yeah. It's, it's a barren wasteland. Is this your first trip to New York? No. No, no, no. I'm from Rhode Island, uh-huh. so I grew up, and my parents are New Yorkers, so I grew up coming here a lot. Um, oh. But I haven't been here in two years, and this is the longest comedy trip that I've ever taken here. Mm-hmm. So it's been a week, and I've just been, I've had a ton of shows, and they're all, and they're all great. Comedy's going really well now, so I like mm-hmm. coming to a new city and being mm-hmm. like, I know, like, I just do all the hits that I got, mm-hmm. so like, rather than trying shit out, I can just like, do all the stuff that, in LA, I don't do as much anymore, because like, it's just like, stuff that works, and so mm-hmm. I'm trying new stuff out there. So here I come, and it's just like, bangers. Right. In every city, right. it's a new set, basically. In every city, it's a new banger. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am banging the shit out of New York right now. <laughs> yeah. I will say, like, not to be divisive or whatever, Uh-oh. but, like, you felt, it felt to me like you knew what you were doing. I was telling Daniel before that there were a couple of comedians up there where it looked like it was their third time. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't their third time, but I will say no. they probably were trying out new material, mm-hmm. or maybe they're young. I mean, there's a ton of comics in this town. And oh, yeah. so, and like, and they, and, and there are so many shows okay. and they, you know, shows need to rotate comics and give mm-hmm. people a chance. That's why it's great to plop in for a week because I think this was my, in, this is my sixth day here and I think that was my, uh, 10th show. Wow. So you just get to like hit the ground hard. Yeah. And, um, that's why coming to New York is great. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Part of me is like, I should move to New York because it's so, the, Stand-up-wise, it's just easier to do shows all the time. Mm-hmm. Really? L.A., it's fewer and far between. Unless you're a fucking really? Oscar winner, you can't fucking do a set every night. So. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. And how, how have people been reacting to your sets here in New York? Great. Yeah? Yeah, the good... Um, so, um, that's only the second show that I've done the HIV stuff on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an HIV-positive comic. Very proud. Very happy. It works. It's so funny. And... Um, <laughs> It just, uh, so, and the only reason I haven't been doing it is because there's this other chunk of stuff 
that were that I've been doing. So sometimes you only get seven minutes, and I feel like doing HIV stuff in just like seven minutes is like a lot for people. Mm-hmm. So for a longer set, I think that was twelve minutes. Like I can like bring it in, and then like mm-hmm. you know maybe feel comfortable, and let them like yeah. get over their like their momentary like yeah. um, like oh like the clutch their pearl clutching moment, you know, mm-hmm. right. and right. then they just realize that it's actually like fun. So. Um, the crowds have been great. Yeah, that, that the show that you guys saw tonight called Too Many Cooks at mm-hmm. uh, Lucky, Lucky Jacks. Jacks. Every Wednesday it's free. Near the M. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is a very good show. This was the second... This was the best show that I've done, but the, one, the second best... Uh, <laughs> uh, this was a very good show. The lineup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it was just very good. It's cool. Like, and, 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 and what's cool is you don't need... Um, like that wasn't that was probably like fifty people. It wasn't like mm-hmm. huge, but it was just everyone was like the crowd was really great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love how you like, especially talking about the HIV, you know, the HIV stuff. When you kind of disarm those people in the audience who were just like, you know, like practically like yanking yeah. their bros, and you're like, I just said, and you said, I just said, I'm HIV positive, not you. Right. And then everybody just kind of like relax everybody who's like uptight relaxed well, about it it's very interesting I was going to ask you a question about if it was ever hard for you to talk about it in your stand up but you do such a great job in the beginning mm-hmm. it was it. hard you know because it took me a while I mean I was positive for a lot of years before I started doing it in stand up but I was still doing stand up but I was like I don't know how to, I don't know how to make this funny in my life yet like I hadn't told everyone in my life yet and so I was just like I'm not quite there and then in the beginning, it was it was very cathartic, more so than it was like comfortable and hilarious, you right. know. But I knew I had to get over that part to make it good. And now um, it's working really well. Mm-hmm. I will say, like in my mind, I was like when I first started doing this material I was like this is my ticket to the top <laughs> like no one else is doing it it's a whole like new thing and I do feel that it is a whole new thing and no one else is doing it and it's funny but I will say that people um, do not this is my looking for you for fun this is, can he come in for a you? second sure this is my very best friend Richard ask if I can come in I'm the worst and he's drunk and the worst and he <laughs> also saw I'm show. pretty drunk and he's so cute and he was part of four gay men in the front row who all stopped the show at various points for <laughs> comics to talk about how attractive they were yeah you were all bullied the whole night you were bullied for being attractive <laughs> thank which you is for, what should happen thank you for hot shaming us <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in a bit I'll be out here I'll be back <laughs> give, me, give me five <laughs> it really was hot shaving. It was hot shaving. Well, so one of the guys um, is, I had not met him, and he is um, a boyfriend of another very good friend who was here, but I, they've been together for years, and I have never met him because our paths never crossed. Yeah. And all I've ever heard is he's so attractive that people sometimes stop what they're is doing. Is he the pretty one with the he's pretty the ankles? the tall one with the pretty ankles, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And apparently his boyfriend is an ankle biter. I don't know. But, um, um, that's is that what the pants are always term? rolled up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he, he uh, <laughs> people always told me that, that he was like so attractive that people would stop what they're doing. Literally every comic was like, I'm not going to look at him, and, and then they would look yeah. at him and be like, oh, fuck, he's Is so that why they were all holding in the wall? I think so. <laughs> I didn't even look at him. I was like, old news. Yeah. <laughs> this is about me. Like, from, I'm from God LA. I see it. better. I use my brain to fucking get attention. It's harder for me, and it's more worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> 
even just step but outside. I'm hot shaming my friends. Yeah, I'm hot shaming my friends. They're worse things That's on so the recorded funny. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, never going to hear this. <laughs> so you were recently featured in the film Out on Stage. Yeah. What was it like seeing yourself on the big screen? It was nuts. In a very good way. So I walked in with my good friend, friend of the show, Tony Soto, who is my podcast co-host. Oh, that old queen. (laughs) And uh, we walked in a minute late because uh, he needed to finish his cigarette. And uh, we missed the first part of my first part, which was okay. But but we literally walked into the theater to me, like 18 feet tall, and um, she was jealous. <laughs> was just all, uh, no, That's what she, she gets no, finishing her cigarette. She was really, really happy, uh, and I was so happy. I was nervous because I didn't know what it was. I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember recording it, and I know what I'm capable of, and I'm capable of like doing really well. And I thought when we recorded it that I did well, but I was like, there's, you know, I'm like, I was like, oh, there, it could have been better, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. But the way it was edited and the way it all worked out, like. I was very proud of myself, and that's hard for me to be. I think I'm my own worst critic, and I'm also my own worst critic when it's not even deserved. You know, I'm, like, really hard Mm -hmm. on myself. And for my first big thing, like a movie that played nationwide in theaters, I was... I'm allowing myself to be very happy about it because it was great. And I've actually mm-hmm. gained, this was just a month ago, but after seeing it, I was like, I have all this new confidence. Like, mm-hmm. I was in a fucking movie. LA is so credit-driven. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, right. if you're a nobody until you're a somebody. Mm-hmm. And you can fake somebody, of course, but it's easier to fake somebody because I'm still nobody, you know, but, like, it's easy to fake it when you have, like, this credit behind you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can book shows now based on the fact that I have that credit and it was featured so the movie featured 16 queer comics mostly gay men and gay male comics are very underrepresented in stand up Mm -hmm. um, because we don't have this is my theory we don't have a natural audience um, because Uh. gay men who are going to watch something want to go see drag queens or abs or body women Mm -hmm. they don't I think like getting read by just like a boy in a backwards cap you know Mm -hmm. and so there's that and then the straight world is still threatened by us Mm -hmm. right so we don't have people promoting only like there's like one a year who kind of gets up Mm -hmm. to the next level and um, this was just for the most part there was a couple lesbians on it and um, mostly straight men and, and everyone was so good and it's some of my favorite comics including myself <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just it was, it was a very proud moment I was very happy and like my parents saw it in Providence my sister saw it in California friends saw it in Austin and in San Diego so it was like like a happening yeah exactly you know and it was really really it That's felt wonderful. really great yeah. no it's always nice seeing like a gay a gay male comic in something especially in, in this environment yeah because there were a few here, more than I've seen yeah. ever. Really? Like, in, a, in a real yeah. space, yeah. Good. And so it was nice because it was so many different perspectives of queerness and gayness and, like, you know, different, um, also different material. Yeah. You know, and it was also nice to have an audience that was so diverse in terms of, you know, straight, gay, lesbian, queer. It was awesome. And you brought half of them. I brought four of yeah. the, the gay most ostentatious of all of the mm-hmm. audience. But uh, what, I, what was cool about... Um, what is cool about um, comedy? Well, I will say this: I have, I, I just, I, my crowd, my fan base is actually pretty straight, mm-hmm. and like, and not that that's the cool thing, but it's just like I'm being embraced in a way that I was not sure. This like, you know, like very honest, direct, HIV positive 
gay man who mm-hmm. is talking about um, uh, society from a perspective that is not mainstream. Yeah. But it works. They, people are feeling this. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's something about being a gay HIV positive person that allows me to, I think, get away with some more material because... Mm-hmm. Um, that in of itself, it's not diminishing, but to them, like, to, but to a mainstream audience, they're, I think, like, I think they, they b- because I'm, like, othered in a way, they allow me to kind of get away with things that mm-hmm. I don't think, like, I could just say if I was just like, sup, brah, yeah, exactly. body shame, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> I kind of love that. I do too. That was amazing. Thanks. It was just, I was like, yeah, okay. That makes you know, perfect sense. It's not doing it. So I have this joke about <laughs> being a gay, uh, being gay allows me to kind of get away with body shaming Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And it has a point of view. It's not just being like, you're gross, you're mm-hmm. ugly, you're fat. Just for saying yeah. it. It's like, it's putting into perspective why I would mm-hmm. do that as a tool to yeah. fight them. And I'm not saying I'm right when but doing it, but I like saying it because I don't think I'm wrong right. you know and I think I can get away with that well and it's not cheap yeah that's not just either. saying it yeah. to just say it it's got a, got a point of view yeah. it's like it's part of the resistance mm-hmm. you know um, but again I don't know if I'm right but I do think that there is levels of how offensive you can be in this day and age um, when you're doing it for the right reasons Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and when you do it in a smart way too. Yeah, that, you know that's important because then it's not just you know oh the you know like catty faggot reading right. for right. reading sake. Right. You know it's like oh here's a queer person telling a joke from a you know very particular smart perspective. Yeah. It's a, it's like it, it totally changes it. Warrior catty faggot. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's just that's just fancy. That's us, baby. Yeah, exactly. Do you put the foreskin talk after the HIV on purpose? Yeah, I mean, that, it, <laughs> it, flows, talk. it flows. In, it flows. The foreskin flows very <laughs> nicely after that. Um, that that uh, calamari joke, oh. that is literally the first joke that I ever wrote that worked on stage. And it's disgusting and it's filthy, but it still works. And so I wrote that like 10 years ago. Jesus says in it's, Italian, munching on fried Baby, it's fucking like, baby genius. Dick is, like, I, I can't. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's visceral. It's real, and it mm-hmm. works every time. And it's worked for ten years. But now it now in in coming after the HIV stuff, it actually like it's a release from mm-hmm. the tension of an audience like dealing with the fact that they're laughing at someone talking about HIV mm-hmm. positive. And so like that is right. something is new for people. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the reason I do it. I mean, like, and this is the reason that I was like, this is my ticket to the top because no one's taking this material. You know, like, mm-hmm. there are other, definitely a ton of other comics who use, like, very painful stuff to connect to an audience. Mm-hmm. And for so long, I did not think that HIV was universal material. But what's universal about it is that people can relate to going through a hard time. People can relate to coming out on the other side of it. Yeah. Maybe their uncle is HIV positive. Maybe they're, you know, like, family members or friends or them. And so, or just, or other things that are hard people. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's the, 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 the feeling that it creates is more universal than I allowed myself to believe. Yeah. And so, but it's still like, I think it's a lot for people to laugh about that. And I know people, I can watch people feel uncomfortable in the, in the laughing themselves, which I love doing. Mm -hmm. But so on the end of it, I attach this very ridiculous joke that is straight up dirty with a point of view against, you know, it's a joke about religion mm. being a little nuts. Yeah. Yep. But um, it's it's the opposite of like 
of a of a personal story. Yeah, it's literally yes. the opposite. It's just a stupid it's joke just, about God it, eating baby dick and like calamari. And he's a te- it's a good. It's a so good. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I love you guys. Thank I you just, for getting me. God is Luigi. Hey, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's so funny. I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, what would okay? So, what advice would you give to a uh, a shy Scorpio oh. thinking about dipping their toe um, in the world of stand-up comedy? So, <clears throat> I think this. So, Scorpio is a blessing and a curse. Yes, as a Scorpio. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. You are constantly trying you're gonna overthink everything that you do and you're gonna try to plumb the depths of it but because you're gonna do that you're 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 going to have a very unique perspective and so I think that you need to do it and then it's it's, it depends on if you're the type of Scorpio who um wants the attention Mm -hmm. because if you are then there is no better avenue than that but the problem is is that Scorpios are also fragile and you, there is nothing more. Um, stand up is a very vulnerable uh, uh, medium, and yes. so I think if you have the impulse, and I don't even know who we're talking about, you <laughs> should try it out because um, it's very liberating. You can just get rid of so much stuff, mm-hmm. and I need it now. You know, whether I make yeah. it or not, I need it now, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I'm very lucky to have to have it. I'm very, and I'm lucky that I, you know. And I think pretty good at it. So, but it didn't come quick. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it seems like it takes a lot of refining. And oh yeah, you know, there was just a lot of. It's interesting with the lineup tonight. There were so many different <clears throat> types of comedians. You know, there were a lot. There were a few comedians who um, just their physicality yeah. was almost the punchline. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so. <laughs> You know, I feel like jokes come a little easier, maybe to someone like. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, you well, know, you experience. But the thing is, for a French theater you, like, um, but you gotta you. Um, this said, Scorpio is also a performer. Yeah. And so, um, and also a talker, mm-hmm. and so you know what your voice. Is. You know how to mm-hmm. perform, and that is helpful because I think a lot of people who start stand up at a younger age don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And that was like real for me. It took me a long time. I mean, I wasn't comfortable in my fucking skin until this year. That is real. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I've been doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. and I've had like fits and starts. But, you know, once I got over the HIV thing um, and like relinquished all that shame and stigma, I just kind of was like, oh, I don't give, I don't think I give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that has been a very liberating thing and very good for my career. So I think um, if you really want to do it, you got to try it. But then you have to like power through. You'll also know within the first month whether you want to do it or not because mm-hmm. it is very soul crushing. Uh-huh. But if you get those laughs, even on one joke out of like a five minute thing, and that reverberates in your heart, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you'll just won't you won't be able to quit. Which is, I'm not saying that's a good thing. No. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a fucking good thing. You know, it is. It's a it's fucking. Like when your number as a drag queen lands, right? Yeah, it's that thing. It's like when you when you get that and you're like, this is this is a mode of expression that I've wanted to fucking pursue, mm-hmm. and when it works for even a even an I even a fraction of the time, um, then you get addicted to it, and yeah. um, it then becomes 
a curse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a great note to end on. Yay, uh, we're cursed. Give, give everyone <laughs> your social media and awesome. um, uh, tell everyone about the Gay Power Half Hour. Will do. The Gay Power Half Hour is my podcast that I have with Tony Soto. And uh, it is a weekly 30-minute podcast, uh, an exploration of friendship and a uh, commentary on society around us. I love it so much. And you can find us at Gay Power Half Hour um, on all the social medias. You can find me, Casey Lai, L-E-Y, on Instagram, at Casey Lai, on Twitter, at Casey W-L-E-Y, and Venmo, at Casey hyphen Lai, L-E-Y. I learned that trick from Tony Soto. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tricks yeah. from Tony. I I love you guys. We love, love you, too. you too. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. And we're back. Yes. That was so much fun. Yeah. Um, we haven't had a chance to see Casey perform. And you know what? It was really interesting. I think he's funny on the Gay Power Half Hour, but like this was a different level of funny. Oh my God. It was... Um... I, I really don't have words for it because it's a level of control. Yes. That's what, that's what I was attracted to with his set. Mm-hmm. Cause he kept you like yeah. he, he was it, it. The thing was, and, and, and after having watched um, Nanette, which we talked about a few episodes ago, I feel like I understand what comedians do a little better now. Like, yeah, I mean, I've always understood that there is a craft there. Like it's not just the yuck, yuck, obviously, mm-hmm. but the mechanics of it were were la- were 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 laid bare by her in her um in her special you know yeah. this this idea of tension and relief and like it for some reason now like i can enjoy stand up more because hmm. i'm understanding cuz like before i felt like i was not just listening to jokes cuz you know i don't want to like cheapen it mm-hmm. but I was listening to jokes, to a set, to a story, mm-hmm. but I never understood that there was this very deliberate, I mean, if you're a good comic, right? Like deliberate um, control that you were trying to impose on the audience to suck them in. Mm-hmm. And Casey just casually was talking about that toward the end of our interview, how he, you know, was 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 doing this. And, and that's why he did the, you know, the whole like Jesus and circumcision joke at the end, because mm-hmm. it's like, a, oh, you get to laugh at something that is just OK to laugh at. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. not, you know, because like he said, you know, you're you're he's making jokes about HIV, which people laugh at. But that, you know, there's tension. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't relieve that tension with another HIV joke. Right. You have to, like, you know, like, I'm uncircumcised and then go into this whole, like, Jesus is eating, like, calamari and he's Italian. And, like, (laughs) what? Like, because it makes you forget 
all the other stuff that you were laughing at maybe uncomfortably before yeah. that. It's fascinating. Yeah. It yeah. was absolutely fascinating. Um, I, you know, it's funny you say that. We were talking about, there was one comedian who I, that you enjoyed. One of the other comedians, we're obviously not talking about Casey. Um, but one of the other comedians that you enjoyed a lot and I didn't enjoy her at all. And part of it was because I felt like she relied too much on self-deprecating humor. Mm. And she, and it wasn't just that it was self-deprecating. It was that she kept making fun of the same thing about herself about how she wasn't like, not that she wasn't attractive, but that she wasn't like bad looking, but that she could make herself attractive. She cleans up well. That she cleans up well, basically, is what she was trying to say. And I was like, yeah, we get it. Like, I understand that already. And you're not unattractive also. So like, that makes it less funny. I was thinking about that since we watched it. And I still think her set was terribly funny. But I do, I understand what you're saying in that it's like, she was trying to convince me that she was ugly and I'm like, I'm not convinced. I think you're beautiful. Yeah. Moving it's, on. It's like, I'm, and, and it's again, of course, it's very subjective. Of course. But I'm just looking at it like, okay, you're symmetrical. You're proportioned. Her you hair know, looked great. Your hair looked great. It, 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 every time she fucking flipped it, it looked like a different hairdo. Yeah. I mean, girl. You're not. You're obviously not going to a photo shoot, but you don't yeah. look slovenly. But she knows how to flip her hair for a photo shoot. Right. Like, come right. on. Like, yeah. And that's the thing is that I, I'm assuming a lot, or not assuming, a lot of these comedians talked about how long they'd been doing comedy. And some of them, for some of them, it felt like, you know, it was their mm-hmm. third or fourth time performing in front mm-hmm. of an audience, which I don't know what that's like, but I just, I, I felt uh, a nervous energy in way too, like way too many of the performers, given the mm-hmm. fact that they've been doing stand up for a while. Well, we, so we talked to Casey about this briefly. Yeah. And he was like, well, yeah, I felt like they were doing new material. Ah, okay. Yeah. He did so, say that. I've also never seen so many comedians hold on to a wall. <laughs> that was very interesting. To I me. only remember one person doing it. And it sort of made sense because of his physicality to me. You mean the last I was, one? Yeah. Everybody held on to the wall except for Casey. Mm. Casey and um, Chanel, who was mm-hmm. amazing, and Napoleon. Yeah. yeah I those can't are, remember their last names. Those are my other two favorites they as were, well. Napoleon's just deadpan delivery was just phenomenal. He's very funny. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, we're going to include their Instagram handles because I'm always looking as someone who is dealing with depression through unorthodox ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for the new comedian that's going to like tickle my funny bone because mm-hmm. like, you know, there are but uh, there are but only so many Lady Bunny videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to find other people. And so I go to people like Janelle James, um, Gina Yashir, um, Aparna Nancharla, like, you know, all of these comedians. Oh, yeah, and so I'm. Aparna Nanch- uh, yeah. No, and no. did you know, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm pretty sure Aparna was the host of the show that Casey did at Littlefield on Tuesday. So anyway. Oh, we did know that. Uh, okay. I was excited to see her, but I didn't say anything. I didn't know that until yeah. I... Aww. It's fine. It's totally Boo. fine. It's totally Boo fine. You. I think... She, I'm pretty sure she lives in New York, so we can we can absolutely plan to go see her. Like, it's not like she's not performing. I know she lives in New York. I'm pretty sure she lives in New York. She is a brand of awkward comedy that I absolutely love. She has a stand-up special on Netflix <laughs> that is essentially 
a um, it is a PowerPoint presentation, and it is fucking hysterical. Like, literally, it is a fucking PowerPoint hysterical. presentation. Yeah, please check her out. Amazing. Again, we will include all of the Instagram handles so you can go find these people because I feel mm-hmm. like comedy is so important right now. Yes. It is so 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 and important. Please right go now. see the show. And we will fingers crossed have Janelle James on the show in a few weeks. So oh, we're God. we're working Amazing. on it. We're working on it. I hope I'm not jinxing it right now. Mm. Um, so speaking of comedy, we watched um, 54 wow, because I found out it is a segue. Um, so I found out on the way home the song um, "If You Could Read My Mind" or whatever by the Stars on 54. The that song mm-hmm. came on in the car and um, Daniel was like this song sounds like it's from a musical or something and I'm like well it's from a movie because I like the song and I mean I, I remember like hearing it on the radio on like, KTU yeah exactly yeah. I mean every, that's my reference point yeah he was and... like this is very Michelle Visage and RuPaul mm-hmm. when I'm in high school like yeah. listening to the radio Um, and I was surprised like because I like the song, but it's kind of like if Broadway were doing disco. Yes, that's exactly what it it's is. It's still terribly entertaining. Like yes. it is a a bop, as the kids say. Yes, but so Daniel didn't know it was from a movie called Fifty Four, which is about Studio Fifty Four. It came out in nineteen ninety eight. It stars Ryan Phillippe, um, and Salma Hayek, and you know a bunch of other people. Um, and um, so I saw the movie in the theaters when it came out in 1998. And I remember thinking, wow, I remember hearing stories about Studio 54 being this really like salacious place where all this crazy shit happened. And this movie seems really tame and so somewhat wholesome. And so when I found out that Daniel hadn't seen 54, I was like, oh, that is the first thing we're going to do when we get home. So um, I then remember reading that they released the director's cut of Studio of, of 54 um and the movie is completely different that's the version we ended up watching is the director's cut what a weird movie so i don't remember every single difference i do remember seeing there's a completely different tone to the mm-hmm. movie from the beginning well they they added in 45 minutes of of footage that they cut yeah and got rid of 30 minutes of the reshoots that they did right so it's like cuz the movie's com- 10 minutes longer it's basically yeah. a completely different movie and it has a completely Completely different tone. It's everything is so different. But the one thing that stuck out in my mind is the fact that in the theatrical release, Ryan Phillippe has sex with like maybe three different women in the movie that I remember. And in this version, he is bisexual. They show him having sex with men and women. Um, and they play up more of the the drug element in the director's cut mm-hmm. than they did in the theatrical release. And it seems to me to be a better reflection of what it was actually like to be at Studio mm-hmm. 54 from the stories that I have heard. And and it also is just a better movie overall. Mm-hmm. This is a better quality film than the theatrical version that I saw when I was like 15. Well, and that's apparently why they re-released it was because it, it leaked. It did. It, the, well, the director's yeah. cut leaked because and people, people were, saw it yeah. and had such a great reaction to but it. But also, like, it was kind of critically panned. Oh, yeah. Like, the theatrical, Absolutely. like, the original version. Oh, I remember. And it's like, well, I mean, I haven't, I have you know, I didn't see that version, obviously, but, like, Basically, it wouldn't make sense without the footage that they included. And what was cool is that you can tell the footage that they included because it's grainy. It yes. looks, it almost looks like it's, um, archival footage Mm -hmm. which is what i thought it was until i was like wait a minute that's ryan philippi yeah like oh yeah and that's actually kind of cool because you can tell where they were i mean to me it seems like they were censoring it to make it 
a digestible story about Studio 54. Right. And it's like, that's impossible. So the film they ended up with that they released in theaters, it looks to me like the curse of the 90s where they had like a handful of people like Ryan Phillippe, Selma Hayek, uh, Brecken Myers, and Nev Campbell, who were all very popular at that time. And they were like, oh, we need to make another movie with all of these big names and we need to do it now. And so they decided to put together this fucking hodgepodge of a movie and throw in all of these really hot actors and they weren't enough to save the movie and we'd never so i guess to this day mike myers has never played a serious role in any film other than this one and he plays um the steve rubel he plays steve rubel one of the co-founders yeah it was very strange that ian schrager was very conveniently absent in the whole movie yeah I, I mean, I think they mention him and they show like a photo of him in the newspaper at one point, but that's because it. Because they were always there. Yeah. Like, but also you'd think it, it's very convenient that they don't like that. You don't see as much drug use in the film, considering there's a character who overdoses mm-hmm. in the movie. Like there's just there's so much in this movie that they removed. And it's like, I don't understand. It's kind of like when I watch Showgirls now, I'm like, why did you leave this in? This would have been a much better like the movie Showgirls is such a long movie that I'm like, there's at least 30 minutes of footage in this movie that you can totally remove. And it would elevate the film to the point where it's like, yes. You think it would save the film? It would absolutely save the film. I have had moments where I think like if I were a director and I had to remake Showgirls today so that it was actually good. And mind you, I love Showgirls the way it is. However, I have fantasized about making it better. Um, I already know what I would do and how I would fix all of it. But You'd be Henrietta Bazoom, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but let's move on. Um, so we have oh, a... Oh, go ahead. One more thing about this movie. Yes. <laughs> what I thought was so strange was that, like, for a movie about the 70s, they got, like, it all looked good. Like, mm-hmm. the clothing, the... Um, the mutton chops? There yeah. Were, were mutton chops. Even, even, like, the guys, like, the bartenders and shipping, like, smooth and all that stuff. Like, that's, like, how, you know, how they actually would have been. And what was weird to me was, like, Breckenmeyer, Salma Hayek... Nev Campbell. It's almost like they were, I mean, they were from, the, it was the 90s, but you know, mm-hmm. like they were setting a movie in the 70s, but these three people were time travels. Yep. Because, like, Salma Hayek to me is a very specific person, mm-hmm. a very specific look, a very, of a very specific time period. Yes. And, like, it worked for Frida somehow. Mm-hmm. And she was brilliant. But I couldn't stop thinking about, oh, was she still thinking about like Fools Rush In when she made this movie? Like, Absolutely. because the hair was 90s. Like, Nev Campbell to me, it like her face is so recognizable, you know, as, as being like from the Scream franchise and all the other stuff that she's done that it's like, I'm not buying this. Right. And Brecken Meyer, I'm like, also, it, it's like you have to look for the body and facial types that you would have seen at that time. Right. And like, Again, it worked with Ryan Phillippe. Like, the saving grace was his hair. Mm-hmm. You know? But anyway, that to me was the thing that, like, it was this very strange pastiche. I mean, I really liked him in that movie. Right. Oh, he was great. I liked him better in the director's cut, obviously, because mm-hmm. I felt like he was he was doing more as an actor than I've ever seen him do in anything. Yeah. Um, also, that New Jersey accent. 
Yeah, I mean, he really, he really, I think he really did a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I can't, I kind of can't get over how much better the movie was before they decided to do all these bullshit Mm -hmm. reshoots. And, you know, sometimes... I, you know, I get that with Hollywood, a lot of people are uh, investing in something that could or could not be a fucking failure. But I think that sometimes you need to let the work be the work and try not to produce it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And Don't let produce the, yourself. Yes. And not, <laughs> and you know, let the, let the, let the work be what it is, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, um, yeah. So we have a listener question, or rather a listener comment, I believe. A letter. A, a letter, letter to the editor. <clears throat> a letter from Katie the Lady. Um, and she writes, Hi, Robert and Daniel. I absolutely love your show, and I wanted to write you after listening to your latest episode. I'm an English as a foreign language teacher in Russia with a background in applied linguistics, and I'm here to tell you, don't worry about your accent speaking French. Um, she addressed it to Daniel, but it was actually to me, Robert. <laughs> She's saying my French is terrible. Um... <laughs> Jeez, Katie. Uh, my students are always so obsessed <laughs> with sounding British or American, but that's not why we study language. It's to communicate with other people. Your accent is part of your identity, and as long as you are striving for clear pronunciation, it doesn't matter what kind of accent you have. Native speakers will appreciate the effort that you've put into learning their language, and many people find a foreign accent exotic or even sexy. So just speak French and let your sexy, exotic, foreign accent flag fly. Woo! Love you guys. Good luck with your language learning. I hope we hear more about it. P.S. I also speak French. Thanks, Katie. That's right? really that was really affirming language yeah. that you just sent to me. And I keep that with me in my brain every day. So thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you so much. She also wrote in saying, Oh my God, I mixed you two up. Yeah. Which was like, yes. Work. Extra points. Extra points for you, Katie. Um, so uh let's get into our attitude and gratitude. Mm. Um, mine is super easy. My attitude goes to faulty cars and my gratitude goes to my sister's friend, Christy, for all of her lovely hospitality this past mm-hmm. weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So my attitude, it's, it's kind of, a um, amorphous or whatever. Okay. Um, it basically goes to people who don't respect your opinions and experience. And I will keep it very like, um, anonymous or whatever, but as somebody who kind of experiences this a lot lately, if you know that you know how to do what you do and you do it the best or, y- you know, you have your 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 opinions and you believe in them, stick to them and keep on doing what you do. Because I, for a long time, have let, you know, in, in many professional, personal, so on and so forth, people make me feel like I have no um, uh, bearing, I guess, no... Um, expertise in what I do. Right. And I've been doing it for quite a long time. And so that's that's my attitude because if you're entrusting me with something, then trust that I know what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. I'm a grown up. Mm-hmm. Okay? So and and if you're going through this, say that to yourself. Because if you ever find yourself having to tell anybody, I know how to do things, then they don't deserve to have you around. Professionally or personally. Okay? And my gratitude goes to the people in my life who are supportive and encouraging, even when there are moments that I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, because Robert and my father and a close coworker of mine pushed me towards something that um, I didn't want to do and I was a little hesitant about, but I did it. And I think it might be very good for me. Mm. So if you guys had not, you, Robert, and 
if my dad's listening or whatever, had not just been like, try it on. You know, that's what it felt like. Hey, Bernice, try, try it, it on. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I probably would not be on the precipice of this incredible, really fucking awesome opportunity that right. might be coming my way. And that's all I'll say for now. Stay tuned. I don't want to coming it. soon. But um, yeah. So with that, um, <laughs> that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for sticking around. Um, we are Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow us. And you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Friday. Hopefully on time. <laughs>